Wonderful. That is our scripture for today. Acts 9, verses 1 to 22. Good morning. So, it's an interesting text, one that those of us who've been a Christians a long time probably know quite well, the conversion of Saul. A man who went from being the biggest enemy of God to being the biggest proponent, that's a long word, the one who said all the good things about God and wrote quite a lot of the New Testament. There we go. As I have been studying this scripture, it, it has really struck me that um, this story is about communication, God communicating with us. And um, as I was thinking about it, it reminded me of this picture. This picture went viral a little while ago. Um, I thought it was from the royal wedding, but there aren't enough flags. Turns out it was some kind of premiere with Johnny Depp. Different kind of royalty, I guess. This is what Inu said about her. This phone-free old lady has reminded the world to stay in the moment. We live in a generation where we find it very difficult to stay in the moment. I think there is a... There's probably a divide. I don't know quite where the divide comes. My parents are 86 and they're quite distracted by the, by the world of um, texts and Spotify and YouTube, and my mum likes to play um, Pet Rescue quite a lot. I think she's on level 974 or something. You, you know, I, I used to think it was just young people that were distracted by the world. But actually, we can all choose to be distracted by the world, no matter how young or old we are, in whatever way we choose to be distracted. And it doesn't have to be the social media, computer-driven world in which we live. We're very easy, it's very easy for us to be distracted by anything, by our own thoughts, by our own worries, by our own concerns, by the neighbor's dog that won't shut up. It's very easy to be distracted. And it's very difficult to stay in the moment. But actually, staying in the moment is what God would ask us to do, because actually, our desire to capture every moment with our phone, looking at no one in particular, <laughs> I love you very much, sometimes we've, we're not in the moment, like the lady from before. How many of those people there actually were fully immersed in the moment, and how many of them were wondering if there was enough signal, can I upload this, can I live stream this now, can I, can I upload this now? Sometimes it's really amazing that we're so busy trying to prove that we were somewhere that we actually aren't even there. I am, um, well, it must have been 19, 89 or something, long time ago, before many of you were born, I do appreciate. Um, I went to a Michael Jackson gig. I went on the Bad Tour at Wembley Arena. Do you know there is not a single photo of me at that gig? But I was there, and I remember it. And I think sometimes we forget <laughs> that our memories hold these things. They don't have to be held 
Oh, I was going to say celluloid. That shows how old I am. They don't have to be held in a digital form. Silence is another thing that we struggle with. We struggle with it because there's no distraction in it. Sometimes we use it to drown out everything. Sometimes we use the noise around us to drown out our own thoughts, our own feelings. Sometimes my head is so full of, and I need to take this child here at this time, and I need to pick this child here up at this time, and we need to sort that. And Sometimes distraction is a bit of light relief. Sometimes an old season of Bake Off on Netflix is the best thing in the world. However, it does prevent us from being in the moment. Now, I appreciate you're all sat there going, what has this got to do with Saul's conversion? And I appreciate that Saul probably didn't have the same kind of issues that we have with social media. However, Saul's head was still very, very full. This was a very focused individual. He was a man on a mission, focused, deadly, perfectly convinced of his rightness. And this man worshipped God. He was a devout Jew. He came from a good family. He was connected. He knew all the right people to go to to make things happen, the right people to talk to, the right person to go to to get the right piece of paper to do it legally. And he was very happy, Scripture tells us, to stand by and supervise while other people got their hands dirty. He was a devout, get it done, go-ahead guy, single-minded. And he was also totally, completely, and utterly wrong. He had focus, the thing that all of us would like to have, but he was putting it entirely in the wrong direction because his mind was full. Now, you and I would not have picked Saul, probably, as the person who was going to talk to the rest of the world all about Jesus because he was going around killing the followers of Christ. But God looked at him and went, well, actually, he likes to go on journeys, he likes to talk to people, he doesn't mind getting in a bit of trouble. This is the kind of guy that I can use. If I can get his attention over his self-importance, his self-righteousness, and his misplaced religious fervor, then this is the guy that I can use. So Saul is traveling to Damascus with papers that say he can wipe out all the followers of Jesus, and God intervenes. Since his youth, Saul had worshipped Yahweh, the God to whom you cannot draw close who lives in the Holy of Holies that only one priest can go near once a year. God is far away, and Jesus comes close. Jesus on the road comes close. And he is there, right in that moment. Saul has been living in the future, Saul is looking for his next great conquest, his next great victory, his next great slaughter, imprisonment of lots of people. But Jesus suddenly is there with him in the here and in the now. And Saul is suddenly about to be very much in the moment. 
Now, saying that we don't want to be distractive, I have watched a lot of video clips this week. A lot of video clips of this particular piece of scripture. It's amazing how, um, in a South American drawl, everyone at this point where God speaks turns into Morgan Freeman. I just wanted, to, that's a complete aside. But you know, there's suddenly this booming voice. You're like, pretty sure Jesus didn't say it like that. That doesn't sound like he was from Palestine at all, but okay. But this is a pretty intense conversion experience. This is a pretty intense, oh, I was wrong. Jesus wasn't messing about. He wasn't saying here, if you like, if you weren't. Saul could say no at this point and go, well, now I know what I'm fighting against. I'm going to fight against you harder, but he didn't. But most of you in this room, me included, probably had a slightly different conversion experience, full of peace and joy and wonder. Possibly not blinding lights and being flung to the ground. Hmm. My conversion experience was fascinating. Um, I was alone at home in my bed and... um, and uh, I decided that this, this whole God thing, Jesus, he seemed quite cool. Let, let's go for that. And I gave, Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus, sat in my bed. I remember quite vividly, it reminds me of this story, that, um, that two blinding lights did come towards me. But, and then they crashed through this chain link fence that was in front of me. And I felt like, okay, yeah, pastor's gone and I'm here. I'm pretty sure, though, it was probably the A-team van which does speak of my teenagehood where the A-team was a very large part. Rather, people over there going, what is she talking about? I don't know. There you go. See, some of people in the room know. But I could open my eyes. After my blinding light experience, I could open my eyes. So couldn't. Losing one of your senses is a... Is a strange thing, isn't it? We all have a little experience of it. We've all been to the swimming pool and come out and gone, oh, I've gone a, I've gone a bit deaf in one ear. Yeah? I'm not alone there, am I? You lot are all very hot and tired this morning, aren't you? Not getting a lot of response out of you. It's all good. When that happens, you feel very distracted, don't you? You feel, it's like the whole world disappears and all you can think about is the fact that you've gone slightly deaf in one ear. The, the, the joy and relief that we feel when we feel that slightly warm trickle of water <laughs> down the side of our head. There's nothing quite like it, is it? Losing our senses changes us. My, my poor dad, he, um, he's gone blind in one eye and as I said, he's 86, but he's gone blind in one eye and he's losing the sight in the other. My dad is so squeamish that when I was a teenager, um, my mum and I got a call. He was, he'd been playing golf. We thought he'd had a heart attack or the world was coming to an end. We got a call. We found him in the hospital. He had fainted because somebody was telling him the story about their operation. <laughs> this is how squeamish my dad is. But to save his sight, he has this week gone to have an injection in his eye. Yeah. Losing one of your senses is a nasty, nasty thing, and we would go out of our way to do anything to make that not happen. But Saul is blind. 
And he says in verse 9 that Saul was blind and did not eat for three days. Now, in those three days, Saul had an interesting time because it's actually in those three days why Saul has lost his sight that he has a vision of Jesus. God got rid of all of the distraction. God proved himself to be real. And then God showed him in his moment of weakness what was going to happen. God has taken Saul and he has disabled him. He's taken our very able man and he has disabled him. Take ev taken everything he knows to be right and made him wrong and has left him vulnerable like all of the people he was going to imprison and kill in Damascus were vulnerable. He is now the vulnerable one. You've got to think that at that moment you might go, oh God, help me, talk to me. I think I've done this wrong. And God closes his eyes, like we close our eyes when we pray to block out all distraction. God has closed Saul's eyes to all distraction to help him see, and help him see the truth. Now, three is a fascinating biblical number, isn't it? Saul um, has... Um, it's like the Trinity that Paul and Saul has just been introduced to. And the three days can be compared to, as we say, with baptism, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a beautiful biblical number. But in that time, in those three days, God was also talking to somebody else. God was talking to Ananias. Now, Ananias was the kind of follower of Jesus that we would all like to be. That some of us are. He was sat talking to God, and God was talking back. There were no flashing lights. There was no blindness. There was no crazy encounter. There was God, and there was Ananias together. God was there fully in the moment, and Ananias was there fully in the moment. And Ananias was still, and he knew God was there. He had practiced hearing God speak, and God spoke. Practicing hearing God speak is a beautiful thing. If we practice, if we spend time in his presence, we will begin to hear him. The more we sit, the less distractions we allow to fill our minds and our hearts and our ears and our eyes. God will talk with us like this. And God spoke. He said, Ananias. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Now, I like sitting and chatting with God. I don't like it when God tells me to do things like this. Not that he has ever told me to go and see a murderous man and tell him about Jesus. But I wonder 
while Saul was having a very godly rounded three days experience, whether Ananias was having a very different three day experience. I wonder if there was a groove carved in the living room floor where he had paced backwards and forwards. And God, God, really, are you sure? Yes, I am your obedient servant, but really, really, this guy, he's a killer. And do, do it. And maybe it was just my imagination. How many of his friends did he go to? And do you think, do you think this really was God? Because, <laughs> you know, God, I don't think God would say such a thing like that. Do you think by kind of like the day two, he was going... Okay, God, I think you're right. Okay, I'm going to put all my, um, I'm, all my affairs in order. I'm going to send my children into hiding. Um, um, yeah, all right, I'll go. <laughs> now, it doesn't say that. And honestly, I'm putting myself on poor Ananias. Ananias probably heard God got up straight away and went. But I know if God had said it to me, that might and possibly a few of you in the room, that might not have been exactly the way it happened. These men had visions, two very different experiences to get to the same point. God can shout to get our attention, or we can listen for his still, small voice. Ananias trusts God and gets up at his word after an undisclosed amount of time. Then Ananias, Ananias went to the house and he entered it placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And something beautiful happens, doesn't it? Not Ananias' worst fear, but a miracle. Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. And that was not the day that anyone was expecting. Not the three days anyone in our story was expecting. But at the end of our three days, everything is different. The fear that Ananias must have gone through was probably, well, he may have been a faithful man who felt no fear, but he was also human, so I'm imagining it was quite large. And fear about what is about to happen is one of our biggest issues as human beings. Anxiety is a huge problem, and no matter how much the Bible tells us that we mustn't be anxious and that we must give our fears to the Lord and we must pray constantly and give our anxieties over to us, we are still anxious and fearful. Some of us live in perfect peace, but it's a peace that we have to keep taking and taking, and taking, and taking, and taking. But if I think back and look at all the things that I have been frightened of that might happen, and think about how many of them have actually happened, well, there's a percentage probably up there in the 90s of the things that haven't happened, and maybe 1% of the things that I have been anxious about that actually did. And I'm super old. Apparently, I'm not. Thank you, Vicky. <laughs> wasn't even looking for that. My children think I'm super old. No, Grace, you don't. The others think I'm really old. And none of us have been asked to go and, kill a, go and speak to a, to a zealot who's trying to kill Christians, you know? We're in this 
We find it difficult sometimes. We live in the future, and the future is a very scary place to live. But God would have us live in the here and in the now. To be still and know that I am God in the here and in the now. To live in the present and not in the past and not in the future. The past is full for many of us. The past is full of regret, but Jesus has taken our sins and put them from the, as far as the east is from the west. So for Jesus, for God, they no longer exist, but many of us still live in regret in the past. The future is often full of fear because we just can't control what's going to happen. We're called to live here in the moment. We need to learn to live very much with God in the present, because actually that's where we live. Um, can I have the video clip, please? Because hey, we haven't had a video clip for ages. You eat when you are upset. Why are you upset? <sighs> I haven't sucked more today than anyone in the history of Kung Fu, in the history of China, in the history of sucking. Probably. Why? Man, you should have seen them. They totally hate me. Totally. How's Shifu ever going to turn me into the Dragon Warrior? That's nice. Today is a gift. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. If we choose to view today as a gift, where the God who made the universe, like we were singing about before, and the million billion stars, wants to speak to us. If that God who made the universe wants to speak to us in the present, if we let go of the past and of the future and all of the distractions, or at least some of them, we can choose to live in the way that scripture directs, to be still and know that God is God. And the more we choose to do that, anything becomes possible. The more we choose to live in trust and obedience in this moment, 
the more we can move out and see God do amazing things. We choose to give God our full attention or even a little bit more of our attention in the here and now. We will flourish. Like Saul, we will grow in strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We will be filled more with love and less with, filled with fear. And then miracles will flow. God will speak. He can knock us down if he needs to. Somebody said, oh, well, if there are choices, I'd rather be the lazy millennial that waits around for God to knock us down. That doesn't look like growth. And it looks a little bit like terrifying because if he makes you go blind, he might not give your sight back again. I'm not telling you what God's going to say. And sometimes God says scary things to us. Sometimes he asks you to go pray for somebody in the street or in the park, and you go, do I do that? Sometimes he asks you to do things that you don't necessarily feel you want to do, but the more you hear God's voice and the more you know it's God's voice, the more you practice the presence of God in every moment, the more you will know that it's God and you will follow him wherever he leads. And that is an adventure. That is a miracle-filled adventure. It's a full life. So in a second, we are going to um, we're going to stop and we're going to give a moment for, for some quiet. And we're going to ask God to speak to each one of us. We're going to ask... What are the distractions in our life, or the fears of the past, or the fears of the future? What is it that stands in our way? It might be something else entirely, because God is here. The Holy Spirit is in this room. He is in us and with us constantly. And when we ask him to fall, he will fall with more clarity and he will fall with more of his beauty and more of his love. He will well up more inside us as deep calls to deep, as the Holy Spirit outside of us calls to the deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Deep calls to deep. And our hearing and our senses and our sense of God can become more clear in this place. So we will ask God to speak because God wants us to live in the present like Adam and Eve lived in the garden, walking daily in the cool of the evening with our God and in the hot of the midday. <laughs> and in the early rising of the small baby crying, and in the difficulty, and in the good moments. If we choose to live here in the present more fully, today, we'll need to choose it again at tea time, and we'll need to choose it again 10 minutes later, and we'll need to choose it again 10 minutes after that, and then it starts to become a habit. The more we persevere, God will persevere with us and teach us, and then the miracles will begin to flow. So we're going to stand together. We're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come, speak with us, and then after a few moments, I'm going to get us to place our palms out downwards and drop anything that God doesn't want us to hold anymore. 
symbolically, you know, take that your head. So that works really well on the internet, but don't worry about it. And then we're going to open our hands to the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill us some more. If the musicians want to come up, but we're going to do it in the quiet, if that's okay. Okay, let's stand together. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you are in us and that you are with us and that you are in this place as we congregate together and we ask for more of your presence, deep calls to deep. And I want to pray, Lord, that in the, in the silence now, that you would come and speak to each one of us of the way that we can live in the present more. Lord Jesus, this is the day that you have made. This is the present, and you are the gift to us. You are the perfect gift. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us now. Let's put our hands out and ask God. We're just going to, Lord Jesus, we just want to drop the things that distract us. We want to drop the things that don't help us live here and now fully present with you. And as we turn our hands over, we ask that you would fill up that space with your love and your grace. Help us to be fully present, fearless people of God who know that they are wonderfully and fearfully made to live here in this place today and to rejoice in you and hear your words of life. Lord God, let us hear from you more clearly that we may be your people, that we may go out into this world and spread the beautiful gift that you are.